Welcome to the Canadian SME Podcast, a podcast for Canadian small businesses. We interview Canadian experts and entrepreneurs to provide expert insight into marketing, innovation, business leadership, technology, and trends that impact small business. Our mission is to empower Canadian small and medium enterprise to help you grow your business. Corporate freedom is recognizing the reality that you are also a steward of every aspect of your existence. In actuality, though, work-life balance is what sustains a company's overall growth. This episode explores the out-of-the-box perspective of Jim Frowley, a founder, CEO, and executive coach of Bellwether Hub. In this podcast, Jim shares his thoughts on understanding a business type, focusing on people development, re-evaluating the purpose of recruiting personal, and whether they should be compensated based on value or duration. Hello everyone, this is Karina from Canadian SME, your host for the Small Business Podcast. Today, I am joined by the executive coach, Amazon best-selling author, founder, and CEO of Bellwether Hub, none other than Jim Frawley. A very warm welcome to you, Jim. How are you doing today? I'm doing very well, thank you, and thank you for having me. Thank you for getting that time out for us. Now, we are super excited to have you on board, Jim, and talk about your journey, your experiences, and most importantly, your perspective on freedom of choice for the employees. <laughs> that's a big topic, freedom of choice for the employees, but it's, uh, that's great. I'd love to talk about it because there's a good solution to have, for sure. For sure. Now, just as there is a blue Monday, there's also a thank God it's Friday. And, you know, uh, the interesting part is we're talk- talking about Friday on a Friday. We are. We're talking about it on a Friday. And it's uh, it's also a really good day. It's the end of the week. You're a little tired, but it's a good day to reflect for and sure. think about what's great for the next. For next <laughs> yes. Week. Yes. So the question is whether or not the Friday would affect productivity. And if so, should it be altered in any sense? But before we go into all those details, uh, Jim, how would you describe your journey having served in a variety of corporate roles for over 20 years. Uh, what was the driving force uh, behind Bellwether? Yeah, I had, so I, I, my career, I pretty much went wherever the wind blew me. Uh, I didn't really have any intention to it. Um, I did work in radio and from there I went into corporate training and from there I fell backwards into finance. Um, but finance is where I, I really earned my chops from uh, an executive communication standpoint, as well as a business strategy standpoint. And those were my, my core roles there. And the driving force to Bellwether and why I left the corporate world was I finally started to dictate what it was that I, I really wanted to do. Um, and, and my frustration in corporate, I realize now, was about how I was unable to articulate what it was that I wanted because I didn't know what I wanted and nobody really knew how to help me. And so I established Bellwether for two reasons. Um, one, I never really felt in place. So I want to create a place where I felt in place, right? And help people in that social sense of how do you ask questions and how do you learn and do all of that. But I also really wasn't happy with the coaching product that I saw 
um, going to a lot of corporations, um, seeing the presentations and the work. It, it was incredibly outdated. It wasn't providing the ROI that I thought it could have. And so that made me jump in, get certified and, and launch Bellwether. So basically creating an environment where we can actually sit and have conversations without thinking that, oh, we're having a relationship of an employer and an employee. Yeah, it's, you know what, the world's changing quite a bit. And it's, um, you know, it, it's going to constantly change. And, and the way we evolve, and we'll talk about this a little bit with a five-day work week or four-day work week is, we can really start to question why we do the things we do and what is the environment in which, I mean, everything is so dynamic from an employee perspective. Everybody needs a program that's bespoke to them. There's value that they bring, but you know, the old saying, if you judge a fish by its ability to climb a tree, then you're going to tell them it's a failure. So um, how are you creating an environment where people can bring out their best, but there's also the dynamic of the diversity of thought and the different ways that people like to approach. And, and it's, a, it's a delicate balance and a difficult balance to, to find because you still need to push the business forward. There still needs to be some standardization. So what's that balance between standardization and flexibility for the employee so that they're comfortable, able to ask questions, do what they want to do in a really productive way, but then also move the business forward as well? Absolutely. Now, companies do believe that Fridays should not be considered a day to slack off. But what are your thoughts on the work schedule of employees? I mean, there's the word you just used there was should. And whenever someone uses the word should, I kind of question it. You know, should we, you know, we all know what we should do or should not do. Uh, but there's also a reality aspect to it, right? We know um, that Fridays, you know, there's summer Fridays and you hit noon on Friday and we all hate the manager that puts a meeting on your calendar at four o'clock on a Friday. And, um, you know, we've all been there. So, uh, but it's certainly an interesting time. I've had the bosses who made me sit at my desk. I had to be there at eight o'clock. I was not allowed to leave before 5 p.m., but they wanted me to stay until seven. Um, and it, it, it wasn't productive and it certainly wasn't the way that I like to work. And there's been a debate for a very long time it's almost philosophical on why do we do the things that we do? We hear all the time in business, well, we've always done it that way. And it's almost anathema to, to productivity, right? We, we've always done it this way. And everybody says, you don't want to talk about that. Well, the 40 hour work week may be that. And so I work with a lot of organizations now on reevaluating how they think about compensation and time. And what are we really paying our people for? Are you paying someone $100,000, $300,000 a year for 40 hours a week? Or are you paying them that money for something that's measurable, like a product development or, or something like that? And so, look, there's context and there's different organizations and, and some organizations are well-suited for a four-day work week. Some organizations, a lot more, are looking for five days, but only a six-hour work day. Sometimes it's in the office, sometimes it's not. We're looking at the dynamic of in person and, and, and virtual and everything else. There, there are two sides to the equation that we have to do is what are we paying people for their time, right? People are productive at different times. So you've got the individual. I myself, I'm most productive 3.30 in the morning to 6.30 in the morning, which is fine. Does not really work well for a 40-hour nine-to-five job because that's when I get my work done. But there is a standardization that needs to happen. There's value to have overlap with people in the same place at the same time, because the business has to move forward. And that's ultimately why you're in business is to make money, build the business, do that and push the business forward. So each organization we're finding is going to have to dictate in their own particular way, 
what a, a, an appropriate work balance is going to be and, and how many hours that actually is going to take. So it's about productivity, reevaluating hybrid work model. Maybe we can say that. And then obviously the work balance. Yeah, it's evaluating all of these things. And it's, you know, if you're bringing, I mean, I think about it through the lens, we're thinking of it large organizations, right? The big Walmarts of the world. But if you go smaller and you only hire five, 10, 15 people, each hire you bring, you need a specific ROI for those people. And so if they could give it to you in two days, it's interesting. Do you have the right job? Do you have the right description? Uh, or is it worth it? And, and we could take a look at um, that. And each company has to answer that question for themselves. Right, right. So the way you envision the corporate world, uh, you know, I can say that it sounds like equally proportional to employee retention, you know, and eventually leading to corporate growth. So, Jim, could you help the listeners understand how is Bellwether working to enhance the personal capability of individuals in the context of a constantly evolving workplace. Yeah, it's it's the right way to develop your people uh, is by focusing on them. Be so confident saying we're the best at this, right? We guarantee it. We give money back if it's not, if it doesn't hit the target, it goes back to accountability. I think coaches in general and, and consultants, there's not enough accountability and the industry is getting commoditized. So as you bring in these consultants and coaches to get your people to be better, there should be an ROI focus on it. And that's that's where we base our full philosophy in terms of how to get people better is we have to talk about ROI and what's best for the company. You do that by focusing on the individual. The constant change, right? The, the, the only constant is that everything will change, whatever that saying is. Everything is going to change, but change is just a distraction. And what a business has to realize as they're looking to develop their employees is uh, the only constant throughout that change is the individual responding to it. And so this has nothing to do with listening skills. This has nothing to do with uh, resiliency or whatever the words are, buzzwords that they want to do is how do you make this real for an individual? How do you teach them to become a believable individual? How do you teach them uh, to understand a macro picture versus a micro picture and understand the steps to get there? Um, and how do you teach them to make really effective decisions in the moment? And that's ultimately what we want to do. The personal capability of you know, employee engagement, we're engaged at an organization where we feel like they have our back, where we feel like we're included, we feel like we're a part of something and we have the autonomy to do it. In order to do that, though, we have to teach people and give them the, the utility to be able to make those effective decisions and take ownership of their particular area within the bigger picture. And they have to understand the bigger picture. And so we are uh, very much focused. It has to be experiential, completely focused on the individual so that they are able to make those decisions. And the big decisions in big moments don't just happen then. They're the result of being prepared over an extended period of time. And that work starts now. If you want someone making really effective decisions, they should be aware of what they believe. What's the vision of the organization? And work on that so that they have the voice and, and confidence in their ability to be able to make that effective decision. So, Bellwether does work on the foundation of credibility and accountability, eventually focusing on the individual. Yes. Yeah, 100%. I mean, we talk about accountability, but how are you being held accountable? And how do you find an individual who can hold themselves accountable, right? And everybody thinks that we're accountable to ourselves, but uh, the reality is most people aren't. 
and we have to learn it. And it's a skill set to develop. And how are you creating work? How are you going beyond just, you know, pushing buttons at an organization? We can get frustrated when we're not recognized for our brilliance. But my first question for these people that I work with is, well, what have you been creating? And how are you challenging yourself? How are you challenging the status quo? How are you pushing everything forward? That's your value. And we, we teach people how to articulate that value and push value within the organization. Exactly. So, you know, the conversation we've had until now, I, I think I can, uh, I can't comprehend from that, that you are a person who believes that it is important to allow people to deliver on their own time and in their own manner, you know, rather than mandating productivity on Fridays. Um, could you explain it in a bit more depth for us? Yeah. And again, this will be this will be relative to different organizations and industries. Okay, so it's very subjective, based and it's it's very subjective based on managers. How are you managing people that you can't see? And that's the virtual workforce kind of had that that difficulty. Is how are you managing people that you aren't in front of? You don't see that they're actually in their in their in their seats, and you trust that they're getting work done. The first question you can ask is, what really needs to get done on Fridays? Right. I mean, does it have to? And maybe it does. Maybe there are things, you know, productivity can be subjective, but, you know, can it get done at eight o'clock at night on Thursday? Can it get done at four o'clock in the morning on a Tuesday? And so if a person puts in 40 hours at odd times throughout the week, is that good enough to move the business forward? At the same time, we want what's best for our people. So we pay people to push the business forward. We pay them the $300,000 or $100,000 or whatever it is. There's an autonomy and a, a trust that we need there. There is also interaction with other people that we need. We, we can't do it on our own. So we can't just, I don't believe that we can just let people go off and do whatever it is that they want in general. We need to have a shared vision, communicating that vision amongst the team. And if you can do it without a Friday, that's fantastic. But that's going to be, again, subject, subjective to everybody. Absolutely. And I never thought about Fridays like this. You know, you just have a complete different vision. That's amazing. It's it's kind of exciting about what's possible, right? You get philosophical and theoretical and, you know, what about flying cars and do you really need this? And, you know, do what happens if you never need an office anymore? But all of these imaginary steps come with assumptions and you assume that people will do what you expect them to do. You assume that they're holding themselves accountable and the organization can hold them accountable. That's the type of structure we need in place. Uh, how are you measuring productivity? How are you uh, holding people accountable? How are you communicating expectations to each of those individuals? Friday is irrelevant in 90% of businesses. If you can get someone to do what it is that they need to do, I would say most managers, most business owners would say, I don't care if you come in on a Friday or not. The question is, have you communicated your expectations of individuals and how are they being held accountable both to themselves and to the organization to make sure that they can deliver? Now, for all the podcast listeners, we are in conversation with Jim Frawley, executive coach, founder, and CEO of Bellwether Hub. What, in your opinion, Jim, are the difficulties that employees face in the workplace? And how would you say that um, solutions of these obstacles would look, look like? That's a big question. <laughs> the biggest challenge I see right now for employees facing in the workplace is uncertainty around everything. Change is happening faster than we can adapt. There's volatility about the working remotely versus in the office. People haven't properly settled. They're in more meetings than ever using Zoom. Um, they're completely exhausted and burnt out. The economy is in a recession. Does that mean you're going to lose your job? So everyone is completely overwhelmed 
not just from the office, but from their home and community as well. We, we th- tend to think about these things in their buckets, workplace stress, home stress, other types of stress, but in reality, they bleed into each other. And so we are, we're being hit from so many different angles that it's, it's both mentally and physically exhausting. And so I, I would say the first thing to do to counteract that is one, recognize that everyone is completely overwhelmed. And, and big solutions for this is you need to release the valve. So employee resource groups on mental health, support from the organization, um, people need to know that the company has their back, even more so with the, with the economy and recession. And I remember working in finance during the financial crisis, and it was you know the worst possible job at the worst possible time because there was so much uncertainty. But we need to remember that you know, we're talking about moving the business forward. We're talking about Fridays, doesn't matter. We're talking about all these types of things. But one of the things we, we haven't really talked about is we have humans working for us and they have obligations to the organization for sure, but they're still humans. A dialogue needs to happen to make sure that they're getting the support they need to be able to deliver to the organization what it is that you expect, what it is that you're paying for, what it is for all of those things. And so it's all very twisted and, and aligned uh, and working together, but your employees, whoever's listening to this, I will guarantee you, your employees are completely overwhelmed. You know, something I also think is that the word hustle kind of plays in a big role when we have these kind of conversation. And as an employee, I understand that I have tasks to do. I have to complete them. And if I do not, the pressure just keeps here in my mind, you know? So, I mean, it's really hilarious. And so, um, you know, different thing in this way that, even a word hustle can bring so much impact to your life because it's kind of like a trend nowadays. You know, you have to work hard. You have to get the task done. You have to do it or else you're not doing anything. Yeah. And, and you know, we hear all the time, how many side hustles do you have to have? And Gary Vaynerchuk talking about the 20 hour workday he has. And, you know, there is this big, we feel like we're not doing what it is we're supposed to be doing. Hustling is needed. But what I would say to people when you're looking to hustle is you dictate the hustle. And that's part of holding ourselves accountable. It's not, you know, when we take a look at the task list of all the things we have to do is oftentimes it's something that's being handed to us to get done. How do you flip that on its head and start driving the hustle yourself? How are you creating work? When, when we talk about purpose and love of work and all of these types of things and the fun hustle and, and finding the, the job that you love, you'll never work another day in your life. It's about creating something that we could be proud of. And you can hustle all you want with a never-ending checklist. It's like working in a mailroom where the mail just never stops. You'll go crazy. So what are you creating that you can drive and be proud of? And most people, and I, I mean, I reflect on my time in corporate, there was a lot of times I really could not have answered that question in any positive way. It was more about fun. And mostly because I didn't, I didn't know the questions to ask. I didn't know how to do that. And that's what made me start Bellwether is there are different types of questions we should be asking ourselves. We think about work, you're spending half your life at work. How is that funding something that you absolutely love? How is it fulfilling something else? Maybe, you know, it may not be the job that you absolutely love, but you can take that money to do something else. So um, there's a lot of the, the hustle thing is you've got 24 hours in a day. A bunch of those hours are for you, but you know, watching TV doesn't really give you much benefit, right? Sitting around watching Netflix and anything else. There are things you could do that where you could just completely lose track of time and develop yourself in a fun way. 
And those are the things that I've started to find for myself. And, and I really enjoy that. And there are also times where I just need to turn off, put soccer on and, and watch TV for you know three hours. And that's okay. Right. You have to kind of have that ongoing internal dialogue with yourself in terms of, you know, am I hustling too much? How do I challenge myself? Because you're on this planet for a very long time, hopefully. And when you look back, you want to be proud of what you've done. And some of it's going to be hustle and some of it's going to be creation. And it's going to be uh, it's going to be a lot of fun when you're able to do that. Right. And that was super inspiring. Oh, good. All right. Great. <laughs> <laughs> now, for a corporation to drive and sustain success, um, its business and HR objectives must align. What would you recommend for companies looking to rethink their people's strategy? And how will that strategy assist them in achieving a positive work environment? Yeah, good question. Um, as we look at people strategy, my big belief is that people strategy should really be focused around talent development, and it has to focus on individuals. If you want to bring out the best in your individuals, you have to focus on developing that talent, and it has to be dynamic. Uh, one size can't fit all. It has to be experiential. It has to be driven by the employee. In many of the, the coaching engagements I do when we're putting together a learning and development plan, I have the individuals in the business write the business plan on why they want to be part of one of my workshops. What's the value to the business? How are they going to use it? And they start to dictate how they're going to use this type of education. Um, and it sounds a little crazy, right? You know, we think from the business, we have to dictate all of these things down from the top down, from the CEO down, from HR down. Let me tell you how it's going to be. But we need an avenue where people dictate their own development so that they can be invested in the program. And throw away the old school kind of, you have to work on listening skills and, and focus on, on, on things that are really beneficial. What do people want to learn? Do they want to learn more about strategy? Do they want to understand more about things like self-efficacy and believability and communication and how to articulate your value and, and how to communicate to the C-suite and uh, how to deal with imposter syndrome? I mean, these are real challenges that people want answers to, but they have to dictate the answers themselves so we can teach them in a class you know, going back to the, the being creative thing I just talked about, we get excited when we learn. And we've heard the same script for decades in terms of developing people, and it's time to upgrade. And so we should really be focusing on the types of questions we're asking, teach people to ask really, really good, effective, objective questions, um, and use it for a foundation for discussions. There's a logical way to operate in a business, and there's the emotional side, which is so challenging for individuals to get past separating logic from emotion in the business allows people to work better together. And creating something together without the emotion is something that would be very beneficial for, for most people's strategy programs. Definitely. Change is the key. And I think these pointers will be of great assistance to both the employers and the employees to understand the bigger picture. That's right. 100%. This isn't just to the to the bosses. This isn't just to the organization. The organization, their role is to provide the support and create the environment and create the structure in which people can learn. But ultimately, it's an individual's responsibility. When we look at individuals, when we look at people, and this is something I realized way too late, if I'm not getting the feedback I want in my office, that's my fault. I need to go. Oftentimes, you know, clients say, well, my boss doesn't give me the feedback I want. How are you getting other feedback then? What steps are you taking? And don't just sit and wait. Start to dictate the feedback that you need. Have you articulated where you want to go and get specific feedback on, am I on the right path? Um, the accountability on our own development is very important to remember because the individuals 
that are driving it, they're the ones that are going to 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 really really take it home. Right. Thank you so much, Jim. Your appearance on today's episode was really appreciated, and thank you to everyone who tuned into the show. We hope you really enjoyed our deep dive into a Friday productivity on a Friday morning. See you all next time. Thank you so much, Jim. Thank you so much. The ideas Jim offered to the discussion were forward thinking, in lieu of corporate and workforce growth. He also emphasized the importance of coaching. incorporating dynamics, diversity of thought, workplace balance and much more. We would like to thank our exclusive banking partner RBC and shipping partner UPS for supporting this initiative. Please do share the podcast and feel free to check out the other episodes. Also, do not forget to subscribe to Canadian SME Small Business Magazine. to stay up to date on all of our upcoming events and get the top business insights from industry leaders. This is Karina signing off, your host for the Small Business Podcast. Thank you for listening to the Canadian SME Podcast. Please visit canadiansme.ca to subscribe and join us next week as we share more expert advice from Canadian business leaders. Music